Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast contains explicit language. Are we going to see members of Donald Trump's family using their positions to enrich themselves continually? A lot of people speculating uh, about Kushner wanting revenge on Chris Christie. Kushner has a bold vision for the office saying the government should be run like a great American company. And if they can't do that, run it like a Trump company. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Trumpcast is the story about the father of the wife of the man whose father blackmailed his uncle by hiring him a prostitute and taking pictures for blackmail because that uncle was going to testify against that man, his own brother, on 17 counts of tax evasion and illegal political donations, of which he was found guilty by a one-time ally of the original man, that's Chris Christie, and sentenced to two years in a prison camp in Alabama. Did you catch all that? Of course, I'm talking about Donald Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and Jared's father, Charlie Kushner. The Kushner family are multi-millionaires well-known to New Yorkers for their colorful exploits, so colorful, something about which the great New York Post columnist Cindy Adams might have written, only in New York, kids, only in New York. But now that Jared Kushner is ensconced in the White House and is charged by Donald Trump with fixing government and is being questioned by the Senate Intelligence Committee about his meetings with Russia— and is also under scrutiny for his interesting financial ties to Chinese investors. Well, let's expand on Cindy Adams. Only in the USA, kids. Only in the USA. Today, my guest is Caleb Melby, a reporter at Bloomberg Business who's taken a particular interest lately in the complex financing of 666 Fifth Avenue. That's a building financed by the Kushners and vexed since 2008. Finding a way to bail out that building has put the Kushners maybe afoul of ethical standards around Trump's coterie using their offices for personal gain. But before we get to 666 Fifth, we do need the prequel. Caleb's going to tell us about those amazing Kushners and their funny, frolicsome New Jersey ways and what their antics might mean for the USA. I'll talk to Caleb in a minute, but first the tweets. What about all of the contact with the Clinton campaign and the Russians? Also, is it true that the DNC would not let the FBI in to look? Just watched the totally biased and fake news reports of the so-called Russia story on NBC and ABC. Such dishonesty. Obamacare 
will explode. And we will all get together and piece together a great healthcare plan for the people. Do not worry. The Republican House Freedom Caucus was able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory after so many bad years they were ready for a win. The Democrats will make a deal with me on health care as soon as Obamacare folds. Not long. Not to worry, we're in very good shape. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My guest is Caleb Melby. He's a reporter for Bloomberg Business, and he has a recent article called Inside the Troubled Kushner Tower, Empty Offices, and Mounting Debt. Caleb, thanks for being on Trumpcast. Um, as I told you, Caleb is my favorite human name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't think what we have here is this flood of Trump news. Yeah. Um, and it has, but it has a lot of tributaries that I think we could easily miss. And it's very hard to tell which are the, you know, the most salient ones and the ones to pay attention to. I don't think anybody knows in real time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you have been covering the Kushner family. This is yes. this um, very wealthy, successful real estate family originally in New Jersey. And now they have a lot of properties in New York City. Yeah. And Kushner, Jared Kushner is Donald Trump's son-in-law, Ivanka Trump's husband, he has recently been charged with fixing the government. Mm -hmm. um, and because I'm in New York and you are, we know a bit of his history, but I'm not sure everyone does. No. Um, and I think it's worth going over the Kushner's um, colorful, what's the word for it, checkered past. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Kushners. Where did they start and how did they do it? Um, so uh, Jared Kushner is Ivanka Trump's husband, but he, he's the son of Charlie Kushner, who is uh, the real progenitor of that, that family fortune. And uh, he, he built the family business by buying up these garden apartments in New Jersey and Maryland and Pennsylvania. And th these were, you know, middle class properties where middle class people lived and middle class people paid rent. Jared, there's a nice parallel uh, to Donald Trump, whose father, Fred Trump, also did basically that same thing, but in Queens and Brooklyn. Jared had uh, more aspirational goals for, for the family business. And um, when his father went to prison for two years. Uh, I don't want to elide that story there. <laughs> Tell yeah. us how he got there. 
what they actually nabbed him for was um, for counting um, political contributions as a business expense, which is not something you can do. Although in New Jersey, you could argue pretty easily that they are an actual business expense. Um, uh, but uh, I, what really got got the jury and what will haunt Charlie forever is uh, he had some relatives who were um, aiding the government in their case against Charlie Kushner. And um, he uh, hired a prostitute to uh, seduce his brother-in-law and then sent a tape of it to his sister. I mean, you are saying this in the same breath as real estate numbers. <laughs> and yeah. it is, I mean, I, I don't even, we need a stronger version. Maybe there's like a Latin version of you can't make this stuff up that yeah. we can start using. <laughs> um, but so that's right. He hired a prostitute and to blackmail his brother who he felt had turned against him yeah. in making yeah. the case that uh, he was using, he was writing off these political contributions. Political contributions, you also say, are de rigueur for some of these um, families. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, in New York, in New Jersey, who gets to build on a plot of land, what they get to build, what sort of tax incentives or, you know, municipal financing they get. All of that is just a very political process. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that's unique to the Trumps or to the Kushners. That's just how the business works. And now that we have those folks in the White House, we're we're sort of approaching what those relationships look like and what they could mean for how the White House does business or what business relationships they may already have that we don't know about. About. But uh, yeah, the Kushners uh, in New Jersey specifically were able to uh, essentially, people will say they bought James McGreevy, um, the governor, the governor of time. New Jersey, right? Um, it, 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 I, I know it's, you know, this is, sounds like a lot of preamble before we get to this like more serious question of the conflicts, but yeah. I think just to set the stage, Jared Kushner's first foray into business himself was actually a media play, right? He didn't he didn't go immediately into the family business. He Yeah, so he he bought uh the New York Observer, yeah. um which uh for folks in the New York media world, uh for many of them it has a very special place in their hearts. Yeah. It was it was it had the sort of alt sensibility, the sort of irreverent sensibility. And uh Jared came along and you know, he was a young guy and it was a cool newspaper and i think there was reason to be excited at the time um it's been interesting to watch the observer over the course of the election it was one of the few papers that endorsed donald trump yeah which you wouldn't have been able to guess from its history of endorsements nor just its political sensibility yeah broadly um you might be able to guess it if you knew who the owner was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So he has this, This he buys the Observer. He marries, I think, a little bit later, Don, uh, Ivanka Trump. And then he really does get involved uh, with more with the real estate business. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you've made the point that politics and, and real estate go so closely together in New York, in, in New Jersey. And he seems to have brought that to the White House. Yeah. So, I, I mean, when uh, Charlie Kushner was in prison from about 2005 to 2007, that's when Jared really came into his own running that family business. Um, I, I mean, he stayed in close contact with his father. He'd go down to visit him 
uh, in the prison camp he was in in Alabama, I think pretty much weekly. But uh, he, he that's when he started planning for a big move into Manhattan, and he had his eyes on one property in particular. People laugh at the name now, but it's 666 Fifth Avenue. Right. Um, just a normal number. Just no, normal. <laughs> no implications for that. Take of that Take of that way you will. Yeah. Uh, 41-story office tower. Um, actually, I think it's only about five blocks south from Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. And um, we, he waited until his father got out to finalize the plans and everything else and actually to help finance the purchase. They sold, I think it was 18000 of the garden apartments his father had amassed in those outer boroughs to help make this play in, in, into Manhattan. And it was early 2007, which, of course, in real estate history anywhere was just the tippy-tippy top of everything. Yeah. And uh, it, it was the priciest building ever purchased in Manhattan at $1.8 billion. Amazing. For a single building. And um, it's never quite been worth that much since uh, after the, the the financial crisis. And so um, so he needs to the Kushners now, uh, you know, after that crisis, we're in what, 2008, 2009, after they see the valuation go down and are, you know, as most of us Americans would call it deeply underwater. <laughs> um, they need to shore up the value of um, of that building, and that becomes imperative, right? That they yeah. So so uh, the, so how do you do that? I mean, I'm refinancing right now. <laughs> what does that refi look like? Um, they uh, yeah. So the building is hemorrhaging money, and it's looking like it was just a terrible play. They're they're just swarmed with debt. They have more than $1.2 billion in debt on the thing. And um, they turn to a guy who's uh, kind of a godfather of New York real estate, very highly regarded a guy by the name of Steve Roth. He runs a company called Vornado Realty Trust. And uh, in 2011, they allow him to become basically a 50% owner in the property for like $80 million. So you, you think about that, they bought the whole thing for $1.8 billion and then they they turn over half of the debt burden yeah <laughs> for 80 million dollars and you can you can see just like how far their star has fallen yeah at, at that point so so it's vornado in other news in. isn't is a, is charlie the father he's been walked out of his alabama prison with yeah, his with yes. his t-shirt and his you know a quarter <laughs> um, yeah charlie's very much back in play at this point and um he's very fit from the prison yard action and maybe yes yeah yeah they're they're a healthy family <laughs> um and, and yeah, that, that's really the first the first time for that marquee property that they they need to look for someone else for help because they just can't do it on their own anymore. For Roth, for Vornado, was that a do you like a decent investment? I mean, he was buying distressed. He was buying some debt. Yeah, he yeah he was buying some debt. He was buying some risk. Uh, the the price was really low. The name Vornado and Steve Roth definitely meant meant a lot to Kushner's and like trying to get. Because people wouldn't move into the building. Mm -hmm. It's an office building. They wouldn't they wouldn't sign office leases there for fear that it wouldn't be around. <laughs> yeah. In a while there'd be new management. They'd have to renegotiate again. So having Vornado move in really helped assure people that this this was an entity in its current form that was going to be around 
uh, for a long time. But that's not the end of the refi. No, it's not. No, no. <laughs> um, so so that works for a while. And uh, a, a few things happened then. Um, the refinance allowed the Kushners to have basically the interest rate they were paying on this $1.2 billion of debt. And that worked for a while. Between that and the new reassurance of a new partner, they were able to fill up some offices. But the number is 666 currently emblazoned the building. But at the time, it was City, Citibank, Citigroup, uh, occupied like a quarter of the offices. Hmm. And they decided to leave. For those not familiar with the New York City real estate market, we've had a lot of new office buildings come online here at a place called Hudson Yards on the west side and, of course, uh, the new trade center mm-hmm. uh, downtown. And these sort of older, stodgier office buildings are, I, I mean, here we are in the Panoply office building, right? It's very hip. It's in Brooklyn. 666 Fifth Avenue is not where people are looking to move or go to work every day. I mean, this is another another uh, subplot that also influences the Trumps, which is that the idea of moving in from the outer boroughs to Manhattan, buying a property like a 666 Fifth Avenue, which just would have been the gold standard, you know, in the, in the say, 1980s, yeah. in, in the 1990s. And then seeing Citibank, say, flee, and then, of course, seeing the rise of like properties and neighborhoods like the one we're in, which is literally called Metrotech, like right. just didn't exist <laughs> a very short time ago. Yeah. Um, must is psychologically sort of disturbing. I mean, you can see Trump being like, I, but I landed on, but I, you know, but I landed in Manhattan. And then, right. you know, and also to see 666 lose so much value um, is also interesting because, I mean, this was like parking your money in the, the best investment. It seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about how the how the re, how the financing proceeded. Yeah, so so I mean they weren't able to fill up the office buildings. I don't think the office building. I don't think during the last three or four years it's ever topped eighty percent occupied, which is low in New York. Uh, currently, buildings are ninety percent plus occupied for the most part, and uh, they had to make a lot of concessions to get the tenants that they did. And they still weren't making the amount of money they needed to to cover that debt. So during these last three years, finances we've seen show it's lost money again. It's been losing money again, even though, of course, we are in a total boom property market mm-hmm. here here in New York. And so it's six years since that refinancing, 10 years since he bought the property originally. And they're in roughly the same place they were in before. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not making money in its current form and they they need to do something different with it if they wanna if they wanna leave without a major, major loss on the property. So the so they're looking around for under leveraged assets and one of them is Jared Kushner's marriage. <laughs> um, <laughs> what um, tell me how things proceeded once I guess from once Donald Trump announced for the his bid for the presidency is that well yeah so so something you you have to keep in mind is uh that when charlie went to prison and uh he was convicted jared took that by all accounts really really hard and why i mean was he a snowflake (laughs) i mean your dad's going to prison in alabama just get over it jared (laughs) um he took it hard he he took it hard and uh i i mean he's had this desire to you know kind of restore the family name and restore some of that lost prestige and um that that whole boondoggle kind of kind of wrought on the kushner family name 
And he saw in Trump's campaign an opportunity to kind of diversify what it meant to be a Kushner in roughly the same way Trump did, right? Mm. Like um, uh, Trump the president kushner the the brilliant strategist as some as some uh profiles have made him out to be since mm-hmm. the election and uh so so that that was a chance you know to kind of elevate the profile of the kushner family uh he's now going to be in charge of course of brokering a peace between israel and palestine <laughs> um in the middle east and uh that's the big bet that we know he saw in, in in a in a Trump presidency. And and so when do they start turning to when does Kushner Jared Kushner start turning to foreign banks? Yeah, well th- that's the interesting thing is um unlike his father-in-law who went through many bankruptcies, Kushner companies has never really been except for this one asset considered like a bad credit risk, right? Like yeah. they have they have these kind of unsexy properties everywhere that make regular cash flow, and uh, banks love to lend against something like that. So, uh, unlike Donald Trump, who basically has two lenders, he is Deutsche Bank and uh, a commercial real estate lender called Ladder Capital now, and that's that's about all he has. People uh, up up through this election were lining up to refinance most of these Kushner property debts, uh, bankroll these new Kushner purchases. Good to know. Except this one, (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, which which was so big and the finances were just not working that they really need a total slam dunk of a deal to to make it happen. So we don't quite know when uh, discussions with Anbang Insurance Group started. And that's a huge Chinese insurer. Their ownership structure is opaque. We're not Mm -hmm. quite sure how closely tied to China's government the business is. But uh, we do know now that there are plans on the table, not yet signed, between Kushner and Anbang that would make them partners in the building, mm-hmm. uh, refinance the debt again, give the Kushners a healthy cash payment out, and uh, convert it into this huge, gleaming condominium mm-hmm. building. And uh, just residential. Well, the, the the hope would be to expand the retail portion at the base and create like this mall, basically, in the middle of Manhattan for the first few floors. And then, yes, many, many condominiums, residential, many of which under the plan would be sold actually to wealthy Chinese individuals through the EB-5 program. And that's a program where you can get in the front of the line for green cards if you invest in a project that creates jobs in the U.S., basically. There's actually a swirl of political problems around this right now. One is that China, the government of China has caught on to this. They're worried about currency devaluation and capital flight, people pulling too much money out of China. So they've kind of clamped down on insurers like Ambang in making these deals. And they're also considering clamping down on the small investors who may become partners in that to to get that advanced green card status. And then here in the U.S., Anbang uh, has been suspect by the U.S. government. They bought uh, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel also for a record-setting price. Uh, Barack Obama didn't stay there when he came to visit New York, as most presidents do, for fear of espionage. Hmm. And um, You mean like bugs in his room? That, exactly. Right. Exactly. And then they also tried to buy this beautiful hotel down in um, 
San Diego uh, called the Hotel del Coronado, which is right next to a, a, a very important U.S. naval base. Mm. And uh, they weren't able to do that after review by the U.S. government because ostensibly they w- didn't want the Chinese owning a hotel that a bunch of naval officers and things would be staying in when they were visiting the base. Do you do you, do you think that's paranoid? I mean, or do you think this is like <laughs> a, like maybe a quote hostile foreign power trying to buy up real estate and I mean get like work a Normandy invasion via <laughs> real estate financing. Well, that's been one of the fascinating things about covering this potential deal is uh, on Bong, um, there's maybe four people in that company who know what's going on with it at any mm-hmm. given point in time. And to try to divine what what their goals are um, is is rather, rather difficult. Yeah. Um, but if there are anything like other uh, folks with money in China, they're primarily driven by the desire to get some capital out of China, get into a safe haven. And the thing about Ambang, and that's the case with the Kushner deal as well, is to do that, they're willing to pay premium prices, top mm-hmm. dollar, which in this case is exactly what Kushner needs to get out of this kind of boondoggle of a financing deal at this property. So how much would the deal with Anbang be worth? So this deal would value 666 Fifth Avenue, which again, uh, Jared bought for $1.8 billion, which was already a record in 2007. It would value that building at $2.85 billion, so almost a billion dollars more a decade later. And that doesn't include the loan refinancing. So it, it, all, all told, it'd be a $4 billion transaction. In your professional opinion, is that a a good deal? (laughs) (laughs) It's it would be a great deal for Jared Kushner. So while an administration like Obama's has tried to distance itself from other people's acceptance of investments, so the Waldorf Astoria's um, transfer to the Chinese, this is a very close conciliary, a very close member of Trump's team being an active participant and participant and partner with the Chinese, potentially. Yeah, it would be a total reversal. One one from where you're you're trying to keep your distance and evaluating whether these deals should be happening at all versus <laughs> the first family actually becoming business partners uh, with, with this firm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just, I guess, to play devil's advocate, maybe... You know, Trump sometimes says, "What's the what's the problem with forging an alliance with the with with Russia?" I mean, is there a possibility that the fear that the Waldorf Astoria was going to be bugged is excessive? That you know, this is a, a way of this is kind of glassnosed. You know, sure, sure. Um, is is uh, well? Can it, you make that case? It, I I mean, any any of those cases could be made. This deal and any other number of future deals that happen could be totally benign, and that's certainly possible. And the reason why you have reporters watching these deals so closely, however, is because this is a totally new phenomenon mm-hmm. for the U.S. and for the modern presidency uh, during the last four decades to have so many financial ties in so many places. Um, hmm. And that's that's what makes news, right, is something that we're not used to, something that's that's kind of foreign and hard to understand and hard, hard to glean what we should take away from it. Yeah. And um, so when you're looking at a deal like this, yeah, it could, the deal could totally be above board, it actually, except for the fact that we're not quite sure what Ambang's goal is. There's no reason for us to think it's not. But it, but at the same time, it's totally new. And it, it gets so close to the heart of the Trump administration that you, you do kind of need to watch these things closely. 
So some ethicists have scrutinized this this deal. Um, yeah. Professional ethicists. Yeah. Um, tell us what they what what verdict they rendered. Well, the ethicists on on this one on Kushner generally are a really funny group. When he first announced he would be joining the administration in January, uh, he had already hired uh, Jamie Gorlick. She had previously been uh, deputy de- AG, right? Deputy yeah. AG under Clinton, and they immediately came out with this conflict of interest plan. And it, it kind, of, kind of this, it kind of wowed this group of people who had been waiting for months for Trump to announce something similar. And I think the combination of that and this idea that Kushner, for a certain sort of political person, they hoped he was going to be like an adult in the room. Very early on, he got a free pass, even though his conflicts plan really was only to give ownership back to his family and some assets he deemed conflicts, including 666 Fifth Avenue, while still keeping most of them. Uh, and just giving up his titles at them. But uh, now, as we've had more time and the Kushner companies has been actively involved in deal making, the ethicists are starting to take a second look. And you don't you don't have to look too hard to at a deal like this to say, well, it doesn't really matter that he's divested himself of interest in this building if his the owners are his family, which, again, he's incredibly close, close to an incredibly close knit family. And um, they'll tell you that the primary way to influence anyone is to financially benefit mm-hmm. their family. And that's that's the state of play we're in right now. So what we've talked about, the best case scenario, which is this is benign. Um, yeah. And um, I, parenthetically, who are these ethicists and what's their training? <laughs> I mean, what, um, but, um, but if we're going to play ethicist ourselves here without any training, yeah. we have no idea if either one of us has a moral center at all. <laughs> but let's, um, you've said that the best case scenario is it's a benign investment and it's, uh, you know, it doesn't represent a serious conflict. Worst case scenario. So so the worst case scenario would be that there's an understanding between the Kushners and Anbang that this is, this is, you know, its own sort of peace treaty, the own, own sort of alliance between the mm-hmm. Kushners and in turn the Trumps and the Chinese. And again, <laughs> no indication that, that any, any of that is true, but I, that, that's the very, that gets the very essence of what people are current, concerned about when they talk about conflicts, which is that when you are doing statecraft, when you are doing governing, you are not doing it in the best interest of the American people, but you're doing it with ulterior motives. And that's, that's what these kind of far flung assets and these, these deals, uh, pose problems for. I, I mean, this is this is super fascinating, uh, partly because when you think about Republicans and and the concentration on the private sector, you overlook the interdependence of the private sector and, you know, and public life, which Absolutely. is meant to be service and that they're imbricated in this way that we can, you know, never get out of, not just New Jersey real estate crossing city councilmen's palms uh, with silver on the way to making, you know, relatively small deals, but all the way up to Anbang potentially, or maybe even probably having serious connections to the Chinese government, just knowing how how their corporate, you know, culture is structured. And then Trump and the Kushner family, you know, the actual president of the United States overseeing and and possibly easing the way for 
another private enterprise. So, I mean, this is of interest, I think, to libertarians and to free marketeers as much as to soft-hearted liberals who, you know, just want to see the rich get in trouble, you know? <laughs> right. Um, the response on uh, Capitol Hill to all of this has has so far been very partisan. You have uh, Democrats like Elijah Cummings and Elizabeth Warren raising these issues to Treasury or to the White House. And the the Republicans who find themselves on the outside of from the administration for some things, you think of uh, John McCain or Lindsey Graham in terms of the Russia issue. No, nobody's really nobody's really touched on this conflicts thing yet on on the Republican side, and it it, it continues to be a, a partisan issue. And my guess is that'll continue to be the case unless there there's like a known problem that that develops from from these dealings. Or if they accept the word of the nonpartisan ethicists, right. and as we know, this administration <laughs> and the Democratic Party all defer to these neutral bodies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been really, really interesting. We didn't even get to Jared Kushner fixing the government or himself being under investigation for, no. the, for Russia. Um, but um, next time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for being here, Caleb. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by a bunch of soliciting blackmailers. That includes Jason DeLeon, who's our producer. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer at Panoply. And I'm Virginia Heffernan. Only on Trumpcast, kids. Only on Trumpcast. And by the way, did you see me in the tractor trailer in the truck? Huh? Pull that horn. Tweeting, saluting, touring, and pulling horns. I can blow a horn like no one else. No one blows a horn like me. Believe me. Believe me.